Hey, thanks for listening to the V1 Podcast. You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Mike Signorelli, from our series, Ain't No Grave. This was such an amazing Palm Sunday message where we learned how to access victory now. So if you're in a season where you're waiting on a victory in your life, make sure you listen all the way to the end and enjoy the message. Oh man, I'm so excited. Anytime you've got a church that plays Johnny Cash during one of their bumpers, you know you're home. You know, man, I am home. Well, can we just, let's do this. We've got everyone watching live online right now, and we have a whole bunch of first, second, and third time guests. So can we put our hands together and just thank them for coming out and being a part of our spiritual family? Who here thinks it's a great idea to come to church? Who here believes that it was worth the drive out here already? All right, somebody with a Jeep was like, "Ah." (laughs) but I'm just excited uh, to be here today and I want to preach to you and I'm not going to preach long, I promise, Um, but I've got a word inside of me that I want to deliver to you and I'm giving a shout out to the Overflow Auditorium right now, everyone watching live, literally around the world, we get messages from people and it amazes me to see how God is using this auditorium, this, this radical group on Long Island and doing some incredible things and so I'm just going to jump into it, can I just jump in right now? All right, cool. Um, Let me recap last week. Ain't no grave. Can you say that with me? Ain't no grave. See, I'm slowly making all of you Long Islanders into hillbillies like me. Just one sermon series at a time. Before you know, you'll be like, how y'all doing? We'll be the most hospitable church on Long Island. Yes, we will. Uncle Bobo and the whole gang. Ain't no grave is a phrase that I grew up hearing. And before Johnny Cash did that song with Rick Rubin, I heard it done by some mountaineers on vinyl. And that song is one of my favorite songs. And I just think it's important for you to understand that the only point in Jesus coming out of a grave is because he intends on bringing you out of one, too. You know, every good leader models behaviors. Every good leader goes first. You know, in Israel to this day, in the Israeli military, the insignia of the title and the ranking and the position they have is not on the front of their uniform. It's actually on the back of their helmet. And they tell their soldiers, if you can't read your leader's insignia, he's in the wrong spot. So how many of you know that a good leader gets up ahead? A good leader goes first. Before we ever had a load-in team, you know I was sweating like a hog rolling around this floor setting everything up because I got my insignia on the back of my helmet, right? Follows me, follow me as I follow Jesus. And uh, Jesus literally said, everything you see me do, when he first called the disciples, he, he used this rabbinical phrase, come follow me. And what that was another way of interpreting it was saying, everything you see me do, you're going to do that and greater. So the question then becomes, if Jesus was resurrected, what's going to happen to you? Somebody say, ain't no grave. Man, I feel it. I got my amen corner over here. They don't get too loud up in the back corner, but right here, they're getting real loud. I'm coming for the back corner today, too, though. I'm just saying. I got done with first service, and I met someone who said, I'm a Jew from the tribe of Levite, and I've been running from God. Thank you for that word. I'm going to find you. (laughs) Who is that, Lauren Hill? (laughs) You guys know about Lauren Hill. You're still on the mumble rap. Those SoundCloud rappers don't have nothing on. Somebody say, ain't no grave. Man, how good was part one? We have the podcast. There you go. 
The podcast is now available on, Sound, on Spotify, which is pretty cool, so you can check it out there. And last week, we talked about how he said, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus came out of the grave. But even though Lazarus had been, Lazarus had been resurrected, he was still bound in the grave clothes of the expectations of people that thought he was always going to stay there. Do you hear me preaching already? Preachers always know where I'm going. People will wrap you up in expectations and expect you to stay dead. There's some people sitting next to you right now that aren't going to give you permission to change before service is over. They like you being inconsistent and they like you being mediocre because it doesn't challenge anything in them. You know who put Lazarus in grave clothes? People who knew Jesus. Oh, man, ain't nobody going to shout me down today. You know who wrapped him up in grave clothes were the people who saw Jesus do the most miracles. Yes, even church people won't give you permission to change sometimes. But guess what? This is a different kind of church. And we will see the worst and we will believe the best. Oh, it might look like the relationship is failing now, but we're going to be having them teach some marriage classes six months from now. Oh, it may look like they're struggling in poverty now, but guess who's going to be teaching the finance class in a couple of months? We see the worst and we believe the best because when Jesus said everything you saw me do, I'm going to do that and greater. I'll stand in front of a grave and say, Lazarus, come forth. Is there anyone here who will look to the person next to you and nudge him and say, come on forth, come forth. Tell him, ain't no grave. Go back and listen to that episode if you skipped church last Sunday. And there's something about your presence in the room that matters. There's something, I love the live stream, but I'm telling you, I'm, I, the, the, Jesus said, he said, go on the highways and the byways and compel them that my house may be full. And I'd rather stand on my feet for 70 minutes, like surrounded by my brothers and sisters in Christ, because you need to know you're not alone. Amen. How many of you believe in that we are going to fill up the space of Westbury next weekend? It's going to be crazy. All right, let me read you some scripture here. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open to John chapter 12, verse 9. John chapter 12, this is John's account of an eyewitness, first-person narration of what happened in the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And actually, I'll say this. Um, you know, if you struggle with reading the Bible, I want you to find on your phone where you have your Instagram app. I want you to tap and hold it till it starts wiggling. Move it to where your Bible app is and put your Bible app where your Instagram app is. That's a good strategy. Can you imagine getting before God and you're expecting, well done, good, faithful servant. And he says, depart from me, you worker of Instagram. <laughs> Somebody right now is like, open the altars, pastor. <laughs> you see this big red cross. You're like, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I promised I was going to preach long. How many of you found it? John, John chapter th the 12. Okay, a couple people. Some, some of you are still deleting Facebook. <laughs> when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there. Was there. Now, when I read scripture, you have to understand context. So understand that he, they're specifically saying when the large crowd of the Jews. Why? Because the Jews lived under Roman occupation. So this was another way of saying that the Romans weren't included in this episode we're about to see, this scene that's about to unfold. It says when the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, this guy from Long Island who used to be addicted to heroin, but is now on the worship team. 
They said, wait a second, I'm not here just to see Jesus, but I heard there was somebody who is dead, who is alive. His name's Lazarus. He used to be on Long Island. He was an alcoholic, and now he's leading the dream team that shows up at that movie theater, and I got to come see what happened in his life. Do we have any Lazaruses in the room? All right. Not only on the account of him, but they want to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. Now, if you read the scriptures leading into this, you know what I find funny? And this is a side note, but I got a little bit more time this sermon. That Jesus raised him from the dead just to have dinner with him. And you see, you see that it says, and Jesus was at the table and the man named Lazarus, whom he raised, was reclining at the table. Isn't it just like God to save you, turn your life around just so you can eat dinner and be normal? We always have this idea of, well, I'm going to preach a stadium. I'm going to I'm going to sing for the nations and write songs that are translated in every language. What if God brought you back from death just so you can have a dinner with your wife and be normal? What if the greatest miracle is a whole church that says I shouldn't even have got to this dinner? (laughs) That's a whole nother sermon. (laughs) But I do believe that sometimes God will save you for the normal things, just like he'll save you for the supernatural. And we see that in Lazarus. And here you got these people who come out to see him. And it says, so the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well. They're trying to kill somebody that Jesus just raised from the dead. They sound pretty stupid. (laughs) Death just failed when Jesus showed up and you're going to try it again. That's how stupid religion is. You know, the people who, yeah, somebody got it. It says this, so the chief priests... It didn't say, so the chief sinners said that they were going to kill Lazarus again. It said the people with religious titles who didn't even recognize that Jesus was right around them, the Savior of the world was there, tried to mess up the plan. And can I just tell you that the people who are messing up the plan of God the most here on the island are sometimes the religious people, the people with positions, the people with titles. Oh, you don't want me to preach mean today. <laughs> like the Hulk Hogan here. <laughs> You remember this? You know they have no wrestling fans out here. That's hillbilly stuff. There ain't no hillbillies like that. Don't be getting more excited for Hulk Hogan than Jesus. You're in trouble. (laughs) Start shaking. (laughs) It's that the Holy Spirit. No, it's that move Hulk Hogan used to do. But listen, it was the religious people who said, Jesus, they couldn't deny the miracle, but they could try, try to thwart the path of that purpose of it. And see, there's some miracles in your life that people cannot deny that Jesus did, but they'll try to get in your path and stop you from progressing. Because of account of, of what happened in Lazarus's life, many of the Jews were going away and they were believing in Jesus. Man, I want people to see my life and I want them to come follow Jesus because they say there ain't no way that he could be a husband like that. There's no way he could lead a church like that. It must be a miracle. I know Mike Signorelli and I know what he can and can't do. There must have been some kind of resurrection power at work in the midst of him. Because of that, I want to follow Jesus too. Don't you want the kind of life that people get close enough to see your imperfection and all it does is prove that there's resurrection power at work in the midst of it. It's the brokenness of these jars of clay that put, that allow the light of Christ to shine through them and say the brokenness is still there, but the light is shining through it. There's got to be something on the inside that's real. I want that kind of life. Lazarus was that kind of guy. And then you have the triumphal entry as you continue reading scripture. It says the next day, the large crowd, man, 
People don't like big churches, but everywhere Jesus really is, you're going to draw a crowd. And I'm sorry if we can't meet all the needs of the individual, but sometimes you got to flip the script and say, Jesus is actually here. And wherever he is, there's going to be large crowds. There's some signs, miracles, and wonders that are happening at V1 Church, and there's no marketing that can match that. And you're looking at a crowd on Long Island. We all know churches don't grow like this out here. Can we all just say amen? And we all know that a Facebook video is not going to make it happen. Can we all say amen? But when you got a half Jewish, half Catholic guy getting a deviated septum popping open in the middle of a prayer and cussing before he says hallelujah, I'd say that's some pretty good marketing. Wouldn't you agree? If you see somebody who used to be a lion sheep dog and now they love their wife and they've become the most chivalrous man of valor you've ever seen. That's some good marketing for what's happening. I would say the real Jesus is it working in the midst of us. So the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. Now, we don't understand the context of the scripture. I'm going to explain it, but let me read more. So Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees. Go ahead and grab your palm tree branch right now. Just wave it around like you just don't care. <laughs> we Dad jokes. <laughs> so they took branches of palm trees and they went out to meet him crying aloud, Hosanna. Let me hear you do your best. Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on. This is the saved church. <laughs> Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. They would have been, this would have been one of the most bizarre scenes ever to Jews at the time. This, what you just read, now nobody here went, <gasps> no, when I read that passage of scripture, nobody went, huh? <laughs> because you've all heard Hosanna. You've all been to Palm Sunday before and you did your pious religious ceremony. Have you ever played Chinese telephones before? And you start, well, let's just make it 2019. Have you ever gossiped before? Don't say amen. And you say something to someone, and they say it to someone, and they say it to someone, and they say it to someone. On the other side, it's completely different. Can I just tell you Palm Sunday got hijacked? Can I just tell you what you heard wasn't what really happened? Can I ruin Palm Sunday for you, V1 Church? Can I tell you that I just got back from Israel and I really know what happened? Can I ruin Palm Sunday for you? Okay, so, so this is one of the most bizarre scenes that the Jews had. Now, what was really happening at this time in Scripture was the Feast of Passover. Now, the Feast of Passover, now let me explain. You know how in the American calendar we have in intervals all these reoccurring events. So here's one of them, the 4th of July. What do you do during the 4th of July? Well, if you're like me, you buy as many illegal fireworks as possible and just convince people that World War III is occurring. <laughs> if, I'm not even joking. I was gonna, I'm still working on my salvation with fear and trembling. And the fear is really from that mortar bomb that I've got in my hand. But then, you know, you have these other holidays. We have Halloween. We do light the night where we uh, flip the script and we do our thing there. We've got, you know, Christmas. We sing, oh, holy night. So here's what happened. 
when the Jews came out to meet Jesus and he's riding on this donkey and they all they all immediately grab palm branches. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, you know that there's palm branches everywhere. And so they would have ripped one off, grabbed it. And as they ran towards him and they all start declaring Hosanna, Hosanna, it would have been like all of a sudden you're in the sports arena and they're supposed to sing the Star Spangled Banner. But instead they start singing Oh, holy night. It would have been so out of context, so out of place, so out of sequence. It would have been confusing to people who didn't get a revelation. Who didn't get a revelation. And so here you have, Jesus was also making a pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is when you leave your hometown to go into a, a particular region to do a celebration or to honor the history and the legacy of that location. So he did his ministry primarily in a region called Galilee. The Galilee it was a lot like Long Island to New York City was Galilee to Jerusalem. Does that make sense? And so for him to be traveling into Jerusalem away from the Galilee, there would have been this sense of significance. But then there also would have just been this commonplace understanding that he was actually celebrating the feast of Passover and he was doing the pilgrimage that they all did. And so there would have been a level of normalcy to it. But what would have made it so bizarre is that they would have grabbed their palm branches and come out and they would have started to declare Hosanna and now let me back up. They were doing something. Did, did I lose you guys? Or are you with me? Because I'm preaching kind of deep right now. But how many of you know a good community swimming pool has a deep end and a shallow end? V1 Church has a deep end and a shallow end. Okay. And if you think you can swim, I'll draw you out to the deep waters. So here's the thing. He went to go celebrate the Feast of Passover, but they were doing something that you would have done during the very last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, the very last day of the Feast of Tabernacles was called Hosanna Day. Hosanna Day. Hold that there, okay? Now, Daniel was a Jew who had prophesied some 500 years earlier, and you can write this down for the note takers. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25 and 26 gives an account of this, this story unfolding 500 years before it happened. Then the prophet Zechariah prophesied it as well. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Let's just stop right there. It says, Rejoice how? Greatly. You ever been to a rejoice greatly party? Are you remembering your life before Christ? Did you know how to rejoice greatly when your team won and you had way too many PBRs? Can we get real? Because we get into church and you act like you can't rejoice greatly, but I know you can rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Does it say come in real quiet because you don't want to disturb all the fixtures on the wall that everyone paid so much money for? Come in as pious as you can and be seated and don't creak the seat as you sit down. What does it actually say? Shout. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the fowl of a donkey. Skeptics ask why seemingly intelligent people would trust in a book that was written by other humans that's thousands of years old. They, they can't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. They can't believe that Scripture is the infallible Word of God. But one of the greatest factors 
For my belief is the accuracy of biblical prophecy, meaning that an event is foretold in detail and then hundreds and even thousands of years later it occurs. What we're seeing in scripture in this passage is happening. It's five days before Passover. It's seven days before what would be the resurrection. And coming from Bethany into Jerusalem on a donkey's colt, Jesus fulfills the prophecy of Daniel and Zechariah. Biblical prophecy is God's way of saying, I have a plan and no one or nothing is going to stop it. If I had a plan for Jesus and Jesus has a plan for you, then all you got to do is sit back and watch it unfold. I am good on my word. Is there anyone here who's grateful for biblical prophecy? Because biblical prophecy becomes the prophecy of your life. And when skeptics are like, man, I don't understand how these Christians can put their trust in a book. Well, maybe you haven't seen the prophecy fulfilled. Maybe you don't know the accuracy of the prophecy, but I'm so glad that God's got a plan and nothing and no one's gonna stop it. That same plan that caused him to ride that donkey And same plan that caused them to come up outside of the Passover festival to start declaring Hosanna. Hosanna is in action right now in your life. Jesus drops down in the Kidron Valley. He comes to the other side and enters the city. People took coats and palm branches, like Julie said, and they wave the palm branch and they say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and fulfills prophecy. But there's this great revelation. Can I just translate the word Hosanna for you? Let me take it back to the original Hebrew. The original Hebrew of Hosanna is Yashana. Can you try saying that? Yashana. Yashana. You've got to understand this setting in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10. It says this. After these things, I looked and there's this this vision that he's having. It says, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number of all nations, tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the lamb, which is Jesus clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice, voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb and nobody could number them. It was a movement so big that nobody could number. And there's three things that we hear in scripture, what they were doing, what they were wearing and what they have in their hand. What were they doing? They were shouting aloud. They were crying out with a loud voice. They were indignant. They were undignified and they were saying, glory, Worship to the Lamb. He's worthy. They were crying out in a loud voice. And then they were wearing white robes. What is a white robe? It's the wardrobe of heaven. It's God's way of saying, you brought me filthy rags, but I exchanged them for your purity. You brought me the filth of multi-generational divorce. You brought me the filth of porn addiction. Come on, somebody. You brought me the filth of alcohol and opiate addiction. You brought me the filth of pride and criticism and judgment. You brought me the filth of, of your mind. And yet I exchanged it for this robe and gave you purity. I gave you my righteousness and there's nothing you could have ever done to earn it. It was just a symbol of my goodness, my mercies and my grace. But then, what's this last thing that they have in their hand? In heaven, there's these palm branches and they're waving these palm branches. And again, this might not make any sense to you, but in ancient cultures, they had these palm branches and these palm branches were were a universal sign of the checkered flag. You finished your race. 
It was a universal sign of the first place trophy, the big one. It was the universal sign of taking the Gatorade and pouring it over your coach because you just won the championship and smoked every single team in your league. Praise God for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> it was a universal, this palm branch was a universal sign that you had won it all. It was the gold medal. It was the blue ribbon. The palm branch was actually used to decorate the Old Testament Solomon's temple and it would have been in, engraved into many facets and elements of the stone. It would have been everywhere because it would have been a reminder when you come to God's house, this is the house where everyone who belongs to this house wins. I believe that before they ever constructed this movie theater or the ones out in Queens where they're having service right now, that there are actual palm branches in the spiritual realm and said, this is going to be a place of victory. This is going to be a place where people win. This is going to be a place where people find victory and they couldn't find victory anywhere else. Come on, somebody. It's a house of victory, a house of breakthrough and deliverance and freedom. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 says this now. Now, thanks be to God who always, say the word always. always. Always means the fight is fixed. Always leads us in triumph in Christ. I can take whatever blow you send to me, Satan, but I always win in Christ. Always. And this is my favorite part of it. And through us, through us, look at, look at the people around you. Through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Isn't that a beautiful imagery? He, through us, he diffuses the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. People say, man, I didn't even know that I could ever believe in God, but I get around this person. I mean, you get into your work and you diffuse this fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. And suddenly they're like, I, I feel like I could believe. We hear these stories every single Sunday of people who go to work with somebody. I mean, my daughter was in her cheer camp and as she's at cheerleading camp in Ridgewood, she just begins to be a witness of this freedom that we could have in Christ and diffuses the knowledge of Christ and invites her cheer camp leader to come to V1 Queens. I mean, there's just something about the people of God when they get into a place, we bring this sweet aroma of our lives that just seems to diffuse the knowledge of who Jesus could be. Hosanna, Yasha, nah. You know what it means in Hebrew? Victory now. Oh, not yesterday. Not he used to be there for me. He used to speak to me. He used to meet my needs. He used to work all things out in my favor. Not he's going to do it. Not one day I hope victory. Not one day my husband gets it all figured out. Not one day my finances are finally in order. Yasha, now. Victory now. Freedom now. Now. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. How many of you heard that scripture before? Well, maybe you sang the song when you were growing up, but that scripture was about Hosanna Day. This is the day the Lord has freed me now. This is the day I will release supernatural joy now. It means this, Yasha means this, to be freed, avenging. How many of you are grateful that God is going to avenge, not on our physical enemies? The Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. Whether you believe in demons or not, they believe in you, and they believe in the call in your life, and they've done everything they could to stop you. But we have a God who says, I avenge now. I free now. 
He said Yasha means defend. Yasha means deliver. Yasha means help. Yasha means perseverance. Yasha means rescue. Yasha means be saved. Rasha, it means salvation. It means victory. And guess what? It even means health. And what happens is this. Oh, I just got to preach myself silly now. I'm so sorry, Dan. I don't think you guys understand because you've inherited this Hosanna day. You've inherited this religion. Oh, let's make a little cross out of it. That's not what they did. And if you already made a cross and you're feeling crunchy because you're sitting in your seat, I apologize. But nobody told you what this thing really is. Nobody took you back to the Jewish roots. It said that they would grab when you go back to the tabernacle feast. Are you with me, church? It says that they would have grabbed a palm branch and they would have declared Hosanna, Yashina, and they would have done it so violently that every branch would have came off and this is the only thing that would have been left. And so even though you saw the movies where white Jesus comes down, white European Jesus comes down on a donkey, come on, you know he wasn't white. White European Jesus comes down on a donkey and everyone goes like this. So then you come to church and you see us dancing and you see him praising God and you're like, that church is crazy. Can I just tell you what it really looked like? Yashina, 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 Yashina. Victory now. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind. Now, 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 now. Yashina, 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 now. Can somebody celebrate? Now listen. Some of y'all know I lost my mind. But I would rather lose my mind for the sake of Christ than lose it for alcohol again, lose it for infidelity again. I lost my mind for some stupid stuff, but I'd rather lose my mind for Jesus Christ. And what I see, now watch, here's the revelation. You can stay on your feet. We're about to end. What I see is this. They were coming to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And when they saw Jesus, a great big multitude of them said, oh wow, wait a second. We are celebrating Hosanna Day like it was just some religious festival. We were celebrating it like it was just some routine that we did once a year. But wait a second, you see that man? It's the Messiah. Hosanna is not a day. Hosanna is not a ritual. Hosanna is not a pious church service. Hosanna is a person. It's Jesus. Freedom is a person. Freedom isn't a curriculum. Freedom isn't a mentorship. Freedom is a person. It's Jesus Christ. And that's the only way you're ever going to be truly free. Yashana. 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 Now watch this, one last thing. You guys got time for one last thing? Even if you don't believe it, you're thoroughly entertained, praise God. Not everyone believed it. It said, and there was a group of Jews. It didn't say all of them. 
There's a group of people here who got the revelation, and there's a group that's going to go home still bound in your same chains. But I want everyone in this space, everyone watching to get free. Now let me explain one last thing. When you look back in scripture and you understand the Jewish roots and how they really did this, watch what they did. One, two, three, four. They did that once, then they did it again. One, two, three, four. Then they would do it one more time. Each time, yashana, 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 yashana. Now, if you watch the movie, you just see this. That producer, he didn't know what we know. Because what, what this signified was, watch this. This is the flag of victory. This is I won. This is no matter what it looks like, I won. Right now, victory in my future. Victory in my past. Victory yesterday. Victory today. Victory in my mind. Victory in my emotions. Victory in my body. Victory in every single direction and every season of my life. Victory. Victory in every single direction of my life. And that's what God is offering you today. Victory now victory now now do you understand after i just broke that down for you why demonic religious forces would do everything they could to suppress that revelation because you'll leave differently once you understand what this is always about and i'll tell you what man if the only time you shout is at the gym when you're trying to put up 180 on bench you're missing what god's got for you if the only time you shout is when the knicks lose again because praise god all they can do is lose you're missing out on what God has for you. If all you can do is yell when your wife frustrates you, then you're missing out on what God has for you. There's another kind. See, you were made to shout. Stop shouting at the wrong thing. You were made to worship. Stop worshiping the wrong thing. You were made to yasha now. Start using it. Start declaring it. Come on now. Yasha now. Hey, you made it to the end. We believe that this message changed your life. So share it with a friend and we'll see you next time.